Hey, it's Bill Simmons from The Ringer, and this is a podcast called The Rewatchables. We have been doing it really since 2017. It started with how much we love the movie Heat. We decided to structure a whole podcast with categories, most rewatchable scene, who won the movie, Apex Mountain, what age the best. But here's the thing. If you want the full archive, you can hear them only on Spotify for free, by the way. So make sure to follow The Rewatchables on Spotify. This episode is presented by Walmart Plus. Walmart Plus is the membership that helps you save on things you expect, plus the things you don't, like free delivery from your store with no markups, gas savings, and even a free Paramount Plus subscription. Start your free 30-day trial at walmartplus.com. Paramount Plus essential plan only, separate registration required, $35 order minimum. See walmart.com slash plus for details. Nathan, we've got to start using Apple Cash. Uh, okay. Why? It's so easy and convenient. Apple Cash lives in messages where you and I text all the time. We do. All right. So I can pay you in the convos we're already having, like I do when I bribe you to say nice things about my favorite Taylor Swift songs. You'll never forget a payment or have the money just sitting somewhere collecting dust. You do owe me money from the last time we saw those Taylor and Travis picks, so that is nice. (laughs) And once I've done that, you can use that cash right away. You can buy stuff at a store with Apple Pay. So I don't have to do all the bank transfer stuff then? Nope. It's just right there. It's easy, convenient, and secure. Wait, did you just pay me a dollar on Apple Cash? See how easy that was? Services are provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Terms apply. Hello and welcome to Every Single Album, Taylor Swift. I'm Nora Princiati. As always, I am joined by Nathan Hubbard. Nathan, say hello to the people. Nora, this is not getting old. I was worried when we had this idea (laughs) of Summer of Taylor Swift that by mid-July, it would be like what it feels like when I'm in the last bit of running a 10K over the 4th of July in the heat, which is my body's like, please Do you do that? Is this, is, is this you telling the people that you ran a 10K over the 4th of July? Please stop. And maybe the people are saying that, but we're not saying that. There's so much to discuss. Okay. So speak now Taylor's version. Fascinating album. Like, we are a little over a week removed from doing our whole big album episode, breaking down that album. We're going to spend today responding to a bunch of listener questions because people had a lot of thoughts about this album. I'm not sure that this album has, like, broken onto the scene and created a cultural moment on the level of, like, Red Taylor's version, for example. But within the fan base... This is a massively interesting and in some cases contentious. Controversial, contentious. Yeah. Yes. There is debate. There is raging discussion. There's raging debate. And so we're going to incorporate as many questions as possible into that conversation on this pod. Starting now. Can I just start with Katie's question? Go. Okay. Even though Speak Now is more recent than Fearless, Fearless felt more similar and I connected with it more. Why do you think Fearless felt more similar? Was it hype of not knowing what to expect for re-records? How does Speak Now Taylor's version affect your opinions on how debut is going to go? Okay, let's talk about the first part first. So Katie is saying that in listening to Speak Now Taylor's version, there is something that felt more disconnected with the original album 
than for Fearless, which is is in some ways surprising just because we have more time separation from when original Fearless came out to when Fearless Taylor's version came out. Agree? Disagree? Thoughts? Feelings? I think Katie might be right about this one. I think we have all been much more discerning this go-round. Again, because of the subject matter and material and what this album was about. And for the same reasons that we talked about on last week's pod, you know, this album was not made for me, but the re-record helped me discover it. This album was decidedly made for you, Nora, and the re-record has made it, you know, it's been a process for you. I mean, you and I have been really talking this one out on and off the air. So, yeah. And so, I think yeah. That- Yeah. Well, there's just like a lot to unpack there. So, Um, yeah. (laughs) It isn't love, it isn't hate, it's just indifference. So, yeah. Uh, Two things there that I think are right. One is like when you say that that Speak Now is not necessarily for you in the same way that Fearless was. The thing about Fearless that we talked about is that Fearless was like for everyone. Fearless was these big, tent, shiny, awesome sing-along songs like love story and you belong with me. The biggest songs from that album that just are at their pinnacle effectiveness when tons and tons and tons and tons of people are scream singing them at the same time. One that's like very universally accessible, but it's also pretty replicable, right? Because it's just about that communal experience, which I think translates pretty easily to like, I'm going to do it again. I'm going to, I'm always going to sing love story on tour. I'm going to recreate it in 2021 or, or whatever year it was when fearless Taylor's version came out. Speak Now is so like internal and so just like you would listen. I, the, my personal, like if I'm transported back to Speak Now coming out, the experience I think of is like going on long runs and listening to it like by myself Speaking in, of a you 10K. Know, towards the end of a 10K in my headphones. And so like one, I just think that's a very specific and very intimate experience Right. That that album lends itself to that opens up these avenues for like, oh, it's not quite hitting the exact same way. So don't you worry your pretty little mind. People throw rocks at things that shine. Where just the soaring chorus of love story. It's it's kind of hard for that not to hit the same way because it's right. built to be like big and everybody can sing along. The second piece of this is like is it goes in a different avenue, which is just that I think we all, I know I do this and I think a lot of fans do this too. We analyze things in terms of how we think they are going to work for Taylor and if we think they are successes or failures for Taylor and if she's going to be happy with them and if they are going to be like another shiny trophy for her to add to her case, which is a little unhinged because she's like the most successful person in the history of music, maybe. So 
we might all be well served to take a breather and just be like, she's fine. Yeah. She's doing great. But to me, when I think back on this summer and I think back on what Taylor Swift did, I will think Taylor Swift went on the Aeros tour. Taylor Swift did the Aeros tour and it was like the coolest thing that's ever happened. I'm not really going to think, oh yeah, and that was the summer she released Speak Now Taylor's version. It's just going to be second fiddle. And I think in some ways, some of us are maybe having a hard time accepting like, this is not the biggest thing she's going to do this summer. And that doesn't mean that it's not a success. Okay, but you, you also didn't even talk. remember what year Fearless was But I don't ever know released. what year it is. That's true. You're a little checked out. But let's be clear. These are the records broken by Taylor Swift this week. And I have not committed these to memory. So I'm 1 million percent reading these. She's the female artist with the most number one albums on the Billboard 200. She broke Barbra Streisand's record. She's the first female artist to simultaneously chart 11 albums on the Billboard 200. She's the first living artist to simultaneously chart four albums in the Billboard 200's top 10. She's the first artist to debut 12 consecutive albums at number one on the Billboard 200. I can go on and on and on and on. Biggest debut of the year on the Billboard 200. That's Speak Now TV. Like, it just goes and goes and goes. This thing is a huge success. I think we're the problem. It's us. That's what I'm saying. We are overanalyzing this. There is the emotional part of the album, and I get it. The voice is different. It's different. It doesn't have the bitterness. It doesn't have the anger. It doesn't have the youthful angst. It doesn't have the heartbroken bit about it. And that, I still think, in a lot of ways, for me, again, it unearthed what's good about these songs, that they can stand alone on their own by a woman who can stand on stage in Minneapolis and say, I'm 33 years old, and I've let go of a lot of the feelings that were behind these songs, whether or not she actually has. Let go of exactly zero feelings in my entire life, but okay, Taylor. But look, the point of this is her reclaiming her art. Let us not forget that. Uh, I know we're going to talk about 1989 today a little bit further, but you got to be behind the core project, which is Taylor believes that artists should own their art and that she made the record company plenty of money and that, frankly, she shouldn't have been put in a position where she had to give up control of her master recordings and that certainly once she delivered on behalf of Big Machine that they should have reverted back to her or that she should have had a chance to put together a financial group that was going to buy them. So that's the mission of these things. And the data says fans are supporting it. I think we all feel like we need something to chat about and to get into the dark corners of the internet and talk about. And fine, we can go back and forth. This album is not beloved until you get to the vault. It's always going to be that way. On the other hand, I think we're going to see streaming data, as we talked about last week, that is analogous to Fearless, where two out of every three streams of Speak Now is Taylor's version. And for her, that's a W. That cuts deeply into the people who are monetizing her catalog right now in a way that she feels violates the fundamental principles of what artists should own. And so in the the big tent purpose of this project, it is definitely a success. Broadly, everything that she's doing right now is a massive success. Speak Now is always going to be one of the core 
Taylor Swift super fans favorite Taylor Swift albums and we are the people who will defend her to the ends of the earth but also sometimes in our own way and hopefully in a respectful and thoughtful way sometimes her most sort of perceptive critics because we get yeah. into all the nooks and crannies the fact that that's happening with this album makes a lot of sense to me because that is the type of album that speak now in a lot of ways always has been and it's this treasured thing among a lot of a lot of the fans so we're kind of doing what we do does the charting position i mean the entirety of the album has debuted on the billboard hot 100 do the positions of those songs tell you anything i mean i can see you debuted at number 5 The next closest song is mine at 15. The moment I can see it, yes, yeah. I can see it now. There are a lot of vault songs that are ahead of songs like Mean. And all you're ever gonna be is mean. Why you gotta be so mean? Story of Us. Haunted. Come on, come on, don't leave me like this. I thought I had you figured out. Long live. I was screaming, long live all the magic we made. No surprise, Superman is dead last. But that was uh, a surprise to me. Innocence well, is charting higher than Superman right now. So like just it, it, that's just because it's that's just because it's before it. That's just because it's before. Well, it. Okay, that's what I was gonna say is that some yeah. of these some of the chart positions reflect just like if you go to to bottom to three are innocent hours Superman and I think people by that point were like fuck this I want to go see the vault and they jump over. Right, but. It is reflective of the strategy here. The strategy is she's really secretly putting out half or all of a new album every time she puts out a Taylor's version. And right. that's the brilliance of it. But I think that also tells you what this is really about for the fan base. I mean, they're getting behind the re-record stuff for sure. But if she doesn't re release the vault songs in parallel... She's not going to get the same hype. She's not going to get the same stream. She's not going to get the same focus. So I, I'm just, there's no surprise for you that that I can see you out charts, dear John. None, none whatsoever. I, I really do think that the strength of, of the moments around the re-recordings, which is separate, right, from the, the overall, okay, how many of these songs am I tempted to cheat on the re-recordings yeah. with the originals with, right? But like the pop yeah. cultural moment around the re-recordings, which I do think impacts how people feel because there's just like the bar that she set with Red, where we had short film, we had all of the um, film festival appearances. We had 
a Saturday Night Live performance that was just like, I remember our coworker, Juliet Littman, described it as just the most like triumphant thing that she'd ever seen someone do on stage. Replicating that moment or a moment like that in terms of the all too well 10 minute version. Yes, the all too well 10 minute version. Stuff that when she was performing it in front of the short film on that stage, just in terms of creating stuff that people are going to talk about, which in turn leads to people covering and talking about the re recordings. Because at a certain point, right, let's face it, you run out of. We can can play track the differences in minute detail, but for most people, you do get to a, a point after three re-recorded albums, maybe four re-recorded albums, right? Yeah. As she thinks about how to go along with this, where it's just sort of like, oh yeah, Taylor Swift's doing this thing. They sound pretty similar. Yeah, there are a she's few differences here well. and there because she's no so drama. good at it. Yeah, yeah. You you run out of stuff to talk about. The so band I, I, sounds good. There's not that much to compare. It's not like somebody's, I mean, other than the shaky breath, there's no like, oh my God, look what they left out. And I hope the sun shines and it's a beautiful day and something reminds you. And I hope the sun shines and it's a beautiful day and something reminds you. She performs and creates for an audience that goes far beyond the people who are paying attention to the shaky breath. So my point is that I think a lot tends to hinge on the vaults because they're just new and fresh and give us stuff to talk about. But that means that they have to be good so that we actually do it. So when there's good stuff in the vault, and I think that I Can See You is is a great song that clears the bar for this album. People stream it and people care about it. And it it becomes a rising tide that makes more people interested in the project as a whole. I do think that you can tell based on your original question was, do I take anything away from how those songs are charting? I take that away with I Can See You. I do take away, again, nothing from this is having the moment that All Too Well 10 had. Right. That was a 10 minute song that went to number one and had its video and had blah, 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 blah. It doesn't mean the album as a whole isn't generating a lot of interest, but I do think that there's a difference between having something like that that becomes a phenomenon. So I am certainly not saying that this is not a success. I'm certainly not saying that this isn't isn't succeeding in pulling away the revenue stream from the original version. But I do think that it is, it, nothing has gotten to that level, which is only something that we talk about because she just sets exceptionally high bars. So I take that away from, from that data as well. Okay. Next question from Kat. Do we think that the rest of the re-records will drop before the end of tour and mark the end of the era's era. Kat also added, also could Foolish One be inspired from the 2009 film? He's just not that into you with the references to not being the exception and waiting by the phone. 
I will take that second part. Absolutely. I kind of bet it was. You are not the exception. You will never learn your lesson. I hope someday we hear from Taylor on this stuff. Maybe we can drop the clip in from that movie. All of my friends used to tell me these stories about how things might work out with these dipsticks because they knew someone who knew someone who dated a dipstick just like mine. And that girl ended up getting married and living happily ever after. But that's the exception. And we're not the exception. We're the rule. It is an uncanny reference. It was so cool to see a bunch of people spot that. I had completely forgotten about that movie. But once people were posting about it, I was transported immediately back to when that came out. I don't remember why, but I just remember that that movie being like very culturally important in a very specific time that was also Speak Now. So my answer to the second one is yes. First question was rest of the re-records out before the end of the tour. Thoughts? Well, it's very influenced by what you just said earlier, which is that the Speak Now album at this point and this whole project, people are like, yeah, yeah, I get it. So that sort of implies that First of all, there may be a little bit of decay in her ability to generate hype. The only counter to that is that 1989 has 30% of the listens of the six albums that she doesn't own that are out there. And I think she wants them back. And I think you and I have a sense that they've been in the bag for a while now. But probably what took a little more time was getting the vault tracks into a place where she felt like they were ready to release. I don't know that they're going to be released before the end of the tour, but I suspect we're going to hear something about it sooner rather than later. She's got to let Speak Now Breathe, let it have its moment, and then, as we've seen her, she's going to get a little time off after the LA shows. It would be strange to not hear much from her in the fall. And I do think she's going to get into this routine of releasing these things because, listen, Midnight's is going to be a year old this fall. And our girl has a fairly steady pattern of releasing new music every two years. So uh, she's been in and out of the studio in New York and you know, maybe even in Nashville as often as we can see her out in public. So there's a lot that's being created right now. And I don't think she wants stuff backed up for too long. I think the, I think I would be surprised if we don't get something in the fall for all yeah. the reasons you just mentioned. And I also think that the fact that she won't be actively doing shows during that, that break after LA I think that will make a huge difference. Sometimes we talk about how saturated we are with content from her in terms of like, how long has it been since she did her last big thing? There was something specific to speak now where, again, just you were being flooded with TikToks or whatever you're looking at of what are the surprise songs? What's going on? Eras tour stuff constantly. Yeah. And there is just nothing in the world that is bigger than the Eras tour. So even if she's been off for a few weeks, I do think the fact that she just won't actively be performing on a weekly basis will make a difference. It's got to be coming. Every sign says 1989 is coming. If that question is, will the re-records be done by the end of the era's tour worldwide? Maybe the last one will come out 
shortly after it ends or something. But I would lean yes, because the flip side to if they're not, if the biggest moments have happened. And remember that we are, with the exception of debut, which poses its own challenges and also just isn't an album that that has been listened to as many times as right. most of her others. The albums that she has left are the most recent ones. They're the ones that people have the least distance from. They're the ones where people were most similar to their current selves when they heard the first time. So it all depends, I really do think, on what she has in the vault and what she has up her sleeve to make them feel new and fresh and have that level of meat on the bone. But I, I if there's not something on the scale, not necessarily of an all too well 10, because that's really special, but just something really, really powerful. She's oh, probably just incentivized say it. If to, she's, if she doesn't just have the, Harry Styles on so, style, like whatever, I or mean, something like that, like yeah. she should get them out sooner. Yeah. She should just Again. get them out and not keep drawing it out because the more it's drawn out, the more we're like, huh, are we getting style featuring Harry Styles? Are from we getting a, 800 yeah. new songs from the vault? Are we getting like, yeah. what are we getting? What are we getting? What are we getting? From a business perspective, she's at the peak of her powers right now. She has the most influence she's ever had. If the point is to use that power to squeeze every corner of the internet that she possibly can, from her fan base to streamers to radio stations, to prioritize her music over the stuff that's quote-unquote owned by others, now is the time to do it. Sooner the better. Every single stream that happens of the old catalog is putting money in other people's pockets that could be going into hers. And I'm not even sure it's about the money for her. In fact, I'm quite certain it's not. She just doesn't want money going into other people's pockets on the back of her art. And that is why I think she's going to get these things out sooner rather than later. All right. The most important question. Still Cedar. All those pictures of Taylor at the weed dinner, dot, 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 at Nathan Hubbard, smoke theory confirmed, question mark, question mark, question mark. I mean, Gigi Hadid just got arrested in the Cayman Islands <laughs> for having weed on her. Like, yes, okay, this is the big... Your take was that she smokes cigarettes. Completely I just said she different conversation. Now. I said no, she smokes now. wrong. You said that Maddie Healy smells like cigarettes and therefore Taylor might smoke now. That's true. Well, I also think Maddie Healy smokes a lot of things. But the 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 listen, I think it speaks for itself. You saw the pictures. They played Uno. She they looked played, happy at the end. Good for her. They She's played a 33 year old. She's, you know they exactly. were playing normal Uno. I know. They're playing truth or dare Uno. She's a 33 year old adult. It's legal. Let her go. It's completely fine. I'm happy for her. I looked up some of the questions. Have you ever Actually, I'm not going to ask. Um, yeah, do not ask I looked me that. up some of the cards in Truth or Dare, Adults Only Uno. And okay. some of the things are, give the player you are least attracted to a bear hug, hump the couch, or the one that I'm not going to say that I hope Taylor drew. I'm not going to offer an opinion on this, but it's it just... It delights the mind, I suppose. Sing a love song using your butt cheeks as your lips. Yeah, Jim Carrey style. I guess from Pet Detective, right? Excuse me. I'd like to ask you a few questions. 
Yes. Yeah. Sure. Let's she, call it that. Look, if Taylor, you really Jason, Sudeikis, and Questlove. There were a lot of joints on the table. If you really zoom in, I'm sure they had a great time. I think it's great that she's going out and doing this. It's very hard to make friends when you're the most famous person in the world. More parties with photos like that. It's super innocuous. I'm all in. I fully agree. I fully, fully, fully agree. Absolutely nothing but delight and good has come of this, including the post from Bun B, who was like, she could not be more kind and personable. This was like the funniest thing I've ever read. Um, I've only ever met two people who make you feel this seen and heard in an interaction yes. before. And that's Barack Obama and Beyonce, both of whom were tagged in the Instagram post, which just, I mean, <laughs> delightful, delightful stuff. Um, but that is it. She has a superpower of making people feel that way in her. She glows. She does. It, if you've ever seen a president, most presidents, they glow. Beyonce, she just glows. There's this gravitational pull that is just part of their aura. And she has that for sure. And it's not an act. It's just sort of an innate part of who they are. And it's a big part of their success. I would venture to guess that Taylor glows significantly more than most of our current or former presidents. But I think Beyonce that that plays like adult Candyland or <laughs> like what? With the other what? pop stars play adult kids games? We can only hope. We simply can only hope. Also, Uno, not just a kids game. Of Like normal Uno, great game. Great franchise, clearly. All forms. That was one of my favorite Taylor Swift stories in quite some time. She looked great. She looked like she was having a fun time. Thrilled for everyone involved. Can I rant for a sec? Uh, yes, please, Nora. You know I love when you do. Pay apps are way too public. Uh-oh. What happened? Okay, so some rando hearted a payment from five months ago, and I realized people can see my entire history, who I'm paying. Full names. It's super weird. Yeah, it is super weird. Well, how are you going to pay your friends then? I'm asking for a friend. Apple Cash. It's all in messages. You can literally send cash like a text, and it stays between friends. Random people can't see it. Did you just pay me a dollar on Apple Cash? Shh. Services are provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Question from Grace. Thoughts on claims about Dear John not being about John Mayer and being about Martin Johnson. He's claimed love story and fearless are about him. This is like me saying style is about me. You got that dream, 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 look in your eye. 
Get yeah. the fuck out Thank of you. here, Martin Johnson. Yeah. I'm I'm redirecting all of my Taylor Lautner is glomming on to Taylor Swift's fame takes to Martin Johnson, who I don't think did anything to bring this specific thing on. Somebody sent this to Demois. It is the dumbest thing I've ever heard. Yes. The guitar. I, so like f- for, Demois for two, is French for shut the fuck up. <laughs> yeah, let's go with that. Um, I feel like we don't even need to like debunk this, but here it is. First of all, the guitar solo. And thank you to the people who tweeted at us that they were like fighting the good fight in the DMs with the Demois account being like, you haven't heard the guitar solo. Like, I love you. Um, one, the guitar solo. Also, two, since when has Taylor Swift ever had trouble like calling people out directly? What like hey, where is Steven. this idea coming from that she was gonna like disguise the song and it's Johnson and not John Mayer? Like, get out of here. Get just out of here. Get out, just get out. Get the doors over there. You're not invited to this party. You stick to posting pictures of people at Lur Fish Bar. You are not playing adult Uno if you come at us <laughs> with this ridiculous shit. I don't have time for this. There's don't too many other crazy things cheeks. to talk about. Yeah. Not invited. Okay. Um, last John Mayer related question from Did Kelsey. you see, by the way, he's shredded the last <laughs> Dead and Company show in San Francisco. He absolutely tore that up. Yeah. Wish him well. Here's the Kindness. question from Kelsey. Grace, what's the question? John Mayer went to high school in how where else but Fairfield, Connecticut, where Bob Lefsetz grew up. So please yeah. discuss is Fairfield the biggest villain of the Speak Now era? <laughs> no. No, it's a town that produces grossly misunderstood human beings who have lots of talent <laughs> and sometimes express themselves in ways that piss other people off. That's all I can conclude. I hope they get all of that on a sign and put it at like the entryway to the the town main street. Because Fairfield, to my understanding, is like a is like a sort of New England deep preppy Connecticut town. I just wanted to yes. say like, welcome to Fairfield, where grossly misunderstood human beings who have run-ins with Taylor Swift come from. All right. Scott, now that we know I can see you is a legit banger. Thank you. Agree. What would you do if we never made a With a real chance to be a hit, doesn't that make the whole cruel summer is now a single thing even more baffling? Like, which would she prefer to be the bigger song this summer? I found this question really interesting, but I don't know that I totally agree with the premise. I think it relates a little bit to what we were talking about in terms of does speak now Taylor's version feel like a huge moment in and of itself? Not necessarily. Is it part of a massively huge summer, the likes of which we and basically no one else have ever seen for Taylor Swift that's happening? Yes. 
So like, I, I just think she's in more is more mode. And I'm not saying that there aren't pitfalls for that. I'm not sure if Cruel Summer wasn't released as a single. If like, I can see you gets any higher than number five. That just doesn't, I don't know that that feels super salient to me. So I think she's just doing more is more. I'm not necessarily baffled by yeah. this. Do you, do you agree? Yeah. I think this is a, like a TikTok feed that she's just swiping through and assuming that our attention spans are fairly short and trying to reload the algorithm with new stuff. I, I have to tell you, after last week, you convinced me about this song and I just can't think about it or see it in writing without thinking that the actual name of the song is I Can See You and then in parentheses, haven't had sex before. <laughs> <laughs> I think about it every time. I did time. not know where you were going with that. Every time it's I see it in like, writing. I, like... <laughs> I just look. I can see I, you having I was, sex before. I was, uh, I was a junior in high school. Who <laughs> something that you just said might have fit a description of me at the time. Can neither confirm nor deny. But like, let's just say that. And there is something oh, very man. specific about the idea of the like up against a wall motif yeah. that is just so potent to me as like exactly what you think it like what. TV tells you is sexy before you have any idea. And I, it's just like so perfect to me. I feel <laughs> embarrassed by how much I feel seen in that exact. Speak um, now in parentheses, Taylor's version featuring, I can see you in parentheses, haven't had sex before. Taylor's version. <laughs> Number five. Virgin edition. On the, on the Elvira remix. Hot 100. Yeah. It's fantastic. It's a great song. I love everything about it. It's definitely the highlight of this entire album. I can't believe this thing was left on the floor, except I do understand why. It, it didn't fit, and I'm sure there was some zhuzhing up of this song uh, with, with Jack in the studio. It's great. But also, we got a couple questions. And by the way, we got... I think around 200 questions for this. So like, I'm going to try to respond to some on Twitter. They're like, we're going to try to get to it. I cannot believe how many questions we got about this album. You guys have a lot of thoughts and I love it. There were a few about like, do we believe that I can see you was actually from the vault or if it was yeah. more recent just because it sounds different. One for reasons that we just went over. You will right. never convince me that anyone other than that age Taylor wrote the song and also, it sounds like, and there was a fairly critical review of this album, I think in The Guardian, that actually didn't like the song. So I wholeheartedly disagree with it on that, that note. However, the description of what was wrong with it was to call it actively bad Maroon 5 core. I disagree with the actively bad part, but like if you are looking for But a, I understand. Like, if you're looking for a touchstone from 2010, you absolutely have them. It's the same reason why it fits into that the um, the TikTok video of the Gossip Girl intro dubbed over the song that I'm absolutely obsessed with and, and sounds so perfect. Hey, Upper East Siders. Gossip Girl here. And I have the biggest news ever. It's like... This was happening in at that time. I'm sure Jack switched it up a little bit and they they did some work more recently on that song. But my two cents, I absolutely buy that this was a 2010 song. 
I'm with you. Okay. Let's do a couple more and then we'll get out of here. Oh, I'm going to make you answer this. From Maria. Does it bug anyone else that she rhymes life with life in the electric touch chorus? Shouldn't the second line be got a feeling your electric touch could fill this ghost town up with light? Why does she use life again? Are we even sure that the lyric genius is right? Or is that, that was my question. The, that's straight off the vinyl. So like the internet seems to think that she does say light twice, but I listened back a bunch and I couldn't tell. It, it, they'd both wormed their way into my brain and I could just, if I thought about it as light, I heard it as light. If I thought about it as life, I heard it as life. You're giving the benefit of the doubt. Yeah. I Look, I'm having a very Yacht Rocky vacation right now, Nora. And what I want you to understand is this song could fit right in with the best of the 80s rock. Electric Touch definitely sounds a lot like City of Blinding Lights by U2. It took me a long time to figure out which song it was, but that is the one. And I love the high court. This song builds and builds and builds. It gets better as it goes. It fits in like right next to like a journey song. And right after like a hollow note song. I love this song. I don't care. Have you heard any song from the 80s? Like one of the biggest songs from the 80s was I Wear My Sunglasses at Night. night. So let's not worry (laughs) about whether she's rhyming life with life. I'm just like eternally fascinated by how hard you ride for this song, but I'm happy for you. Okay. Zachary asks... Do you think she'll perform better than Revenge live ever again? Or do you think she won't not to risk crowds screaming the old lyric? She's going to perform it again because she's out of secret songs, Nora. I'm going to three shows in LA. And what am I going to I'm going to get Flex. the Valentine's Day song. Today was a fairy tale. I wore a dress. I hope you do. I hope you get McCavity. Oh, God. I'm going to get the cat song. McCavity's a ginger cat. He's very tall and thin. It would be, you should want to get the cat song. This is, maybe this is my hottest take. If you go to the Eras tour and you get Christmas Tree Farm or McCavity, You've been part of an iconically weird moment in popular culture. I want Christmas Tree Farm. That song is great. (laughs) 
everybody singing Christmas tree farm at Christmas tree farm. I'm Fuck like getting yeah. so excited. I can't speak in, in you August in LA. Too. Incredible. Under the mistletoe. That song is awesome. I would crush the backing vocals for that song, but if I get McCavity, I'm going to boo. <laughs> Not like aggressively, but I'm going to be like the, like bummed out Yankees fans right now that have their like, fists up against their cheeks and their faces are all smushed with one hand and the other hand is just sort of slowly <laughs> bouncing a boo sign, thumbs down. That's what I will do if I get McCavity. That was vivid. That was very, very vivid. Um, I think we're going to get a lot of... Listen, we're going to... LA's. there's going to be some extra shit. I'm, I'm just... I'm just telling you there's going to be some extra shit in LA. She's out of... She's out of these surprise songs. So... We're going to get better. Well, she has something like, I think she has 20 more slots to fill. And in terms of legitimate album cuts, she has around 60 left. But like, so she has the material. But the reason I think you'll get it is because I think she's performing these songs live so that she can release Taylor's version of the Speak Now Live version. You do? She, yeah, I, I think she's doing it. I mean, she put out a digital edition for purchase, which has Dear John Live and Last Kiss Live. Right. And you It's a thing that's there that she doesn't own. If the point is that she wants to pull away the revenue streams, why shouldn't she do this? Now that the hurdle is, is she going to do the back to December apologize mashup? And obviously, if she ever did, that would be that would be the clear, clear, clear tell. That's the one thing that makes me think maybe not, because if it was just a matter of, yeah, let's do these all gradually as surprise songs, package them together and essentially be able to say that you have Speak Now Live Taylor's version. I think she would absolutely do that in a heartbeat. And if it comes down to just that mashup, I guess she could just skip it. She could have just the normal back to December or she could do it. And how cool would that be? But yes, I think that's happening. And I don't think, I mean, I don't know. I'm, for what it's worth, my thoughts on the lyric have not changed, but I'm, I'm happy for her. I'm happy for everyone. I think we should be more willing to acknowledge the fact that we're all messy humans, but whatever, I'll get over it. They're going to, she's going to sing it. Everybody's going to sing the old lyrics and that's going to be her gift to everybody. She's going to be like, I, I don't it. know. I, that, know. That, I don't know that they will though like I feel like the crap because even I someone who really doesn't like the new lyric I accept it and I don't believe that like I'm not I've seen people saying that they don't like the change because they think that she's trying to like pull something over on younger people and pretend that it never happened I don't Mm. feel like it's like that I just feel like we we live in a society where it's a little too difficult to acknowledge that were not always nice. And because it reflects that quality, it irks me. And also because I just think it's worse, but I have accepted moth to a flame into my life enough that if I were at a concert and she performed it, I would do it as God, AK Taylor intended. So, you know, I, 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 
like to claim some credit for that. All right. Last question. We'll go out on this because this has been thoroughly unhinged. Delightful. Unhinged. This is from Skill with a Quill. Favorite celebrity to appear at the Eras Tour. I'm partial to Gordon Ramsay. I actually know your like, answer to this. Yours is J.J. Watt. You know Watt. what my answer is. You know what you my just, answer is. It's like, I just J.J. Watt. Yeah, I got to stick with the bit. <laughs> I uh, think that's Flav of Flav. Flav of Flav is a great call. I was really good. I really liked that he was getting involved with trading, trading bracelets. Shout out Flav of Flav. It was cool. Yeah. I'd like to see Paul Rudd there. You know. <laughs> okay. 13 on Red the hand. Guy. No! I just appreciate <laughs> the male adoption of Taylor Swift this summer. I Okay, I hear you. I loved that you Ben know? Stiller went. Yeah. Like, when do we hear from Ben Stiller these days? What's he up to? It's nice to know. It's nice to get a little window into that. Well, that's why if you're famous, you're getting in that VIP tent, let me tell you. All right. Good stuff. Nice to talk about this with you. Nice to talk about this with everybody. Seriously, thank you for the extreme amount of questions about this. DM destruction. Like, email. I have things to respond to. I will get to that. Very cool to see the enthusiasm at the very least to debate this album and to discuss this album. Very, very cool. Very fun for us. And we'll try to get to as many of those as possible that we didn't already cover here. And with that said, this has been Every Single Album, Taylor Swift. I'm Nora Princiati. As always, he is Nathan Hubbard. We will be back with more next week. Thank you to Kaya McMullen for production on this episode and to you for listening. 